Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast, where the mission here really is just to take that next best step each and every day to just become the best version of ourselves for ourselves and for our family. And oh my goodness, you guys, this community is so amazing. There is literally nothing better than just a band of women committed to personal development and taking extreme ownership of where they are right now in life. We are fueled by grit and grace and gratitude and just generational change. So girl, thank you so much for joining us. In today's episode, oh, it's so fun. I got to interview Selena Frederick from Fierce Marriage. Her and her husband, Ryan, have written two books. The first one is called Fierce Marriage, and the second is called See Through Marriage. And this episode is just a conversation around their latest book, and it releases on May 5th. It's really just about ditching this fake vulnerability we kind of tend to do with people and even the people closest to us and instead invest into like true, authentic transparency with each other. Because if we are truly known, but we are not loved, well, that sucks. <laughs> but if we are fully loved and not known, that's not genuine. Like that sucks too. <laughs> so the goal should be to be fully known and fully loved, especially in our marriages. So let's dive into this conversation together. Okay. Well, Selena, welcome to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. Hi there. <laughs> it's always I'm awkward so to like go I back know. and do that. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I am just seriously so honored just to have you on. And we are obviously going to be talking a lot about your book that's releasing May 5th called See Through Marriage. And I want you to just take a minute to talk about your all's heart behind this book. But first, I just want to say that I read this book like cover to cover. Well, I mean, it was actually like screen to screen, I guess, because <laughs> it was on my computer. But it was so good. And I know that you don't necessarily, we talked a little bit, but you don't necessarily know like the story of my business. But I actually launched when we had seven kids um, in our home. And four of those this past fall was were my four boys we were talking about, but then we also had three foster kids. Wow. Um, and we had a, it was six under five years old. It was a seven-year-old, five-year-old, two three-year-olds, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and a three-week-old. So I mean, what better time to like launch into your business, right? All right. Uh, <laughs> but recently I've like really been just feeling overwhelmed with all things, you know, it takes to run a business and a podcast. I mean, you know, and I just sat down to read your book. And I mean, it wasn't even like chapter one. I think it was just like the introduction when you guys were talking about the challenge of just writing a book um, when either you were pregnant or a newborn and you guys did that with Fierce Marriage, vowed to not do it again. And here you were. <laughs> and you guys had said in that, in that just first part, like that this season was your exact was like your lot that God had given you to write this book. And I mean, like tears <laughs> down my face because it just reminded me that like God put this mission of generational change on my heart right smack dab in the trenches of motherhood. So solidarity, sister. Mm. I can't even can't imagine <laughs> writing a whole book <laughs> with with all of that going on. So can you guys just tell us a little bit about the book and you and Ryan's heart behind writing it? Yeah, it's... Um... Honestly, I don't think we were even finished with Fierce Marriage, our first book, before uh, the Lord had just kind of shown us these themes in our life of how transparency can be so powerful and how the Lord can use it to really sanctify us, to unify us in our marriage, and also to just bring us closer to others in our community as well through being really known with each other. Um, so I think I think that a lot of it came out of you know us experiencing. Uh, the power of of just God in our community and the gospel, and that has helped us sort of live out what that transparency looks like. Because it, it wasn't always we had not always experienced that kind of transparency um, and being known. I think even growing up as Christians, there's kind of um, I think we're really good at hiding some stuff. Like we can be a little bit vulnerable, but we don't always want to expose what's really happening for you know whatever reasons. We're, we're mm -hmm. afraid. We're dealing with shame or. But until we're fully known, we can't really be fully loved, right? And so, but that's hard. And there's a process, I think. And we are not counselors or anything, but we felt like the Lord had allowed us to walk through some hard moments and learn what transparency looks like in some of those instances. Um, and so we kind of just wanted to record it. And we also wanted to share 
you know, our experience with others. And of course we got their permission for them to be able to share their stories and, and what they walked through, because I think all of our stories resonate with different people, but the, the gospel is the same, you know, throughout it, that we need to be known fully and God, he knows us the best, right. And he loves us the most. And he knows the deepest, darkest parts of our motivations, right. He knows the mm-hmm. sin that we deal with uh, at a deeper level than we do. And so in his goodness and his grace, I think he allows us to face those trials again and again until we are just constantly being sanctified and brought near to him, made holy through, you know, that refining fire. And it's so hard to want, it's so easy to just not want to deal with the fire, right? It's so easy to just be comfortable to just kind of sit and let time go by, live distractedly. Um, And even especially in our marriage, right? We can just become roommates so easily and we can become, it can become very empty. And I think a lot of people are looking for that. How do I make my marriage great? And how does it get, how do we have more passion and like love for each other? Right. And it's, and honestly, the way forward is through transparency and vulnerability and being known in those hard, hard times. I think that's, that's where you really experience, first of all, God's love and grace in that through your, your spouse, but also uh, your spouse's love and grace, right. To you in those hard moments. So that's kind of a little bit, I think about what we the, 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 our heart behind this was just wanting to bring freedom to those areas and how to have hard conversations and how to be transparent with your community group, right? We're not there to just throw our spouse under the bus, but there's ways to communicate hardship in an honest and uh, clear way, I guess. Yeah. And I, you guys talked a lot about in there, pretty much what you were just saying about just this like semi vulnerability, this like just, I think you guys said literally like just enough mess to satisfy somebody's like once of your life. Right. Let me just show you what I'm comfortable with showing. Yeah. And we do this with, I think, I feel like we do this with friendships, especially in today's culture with the social media freaking era. Absolutely. Um, you know, where we're like, we want to show like, and I, and I actually just talked about this on a podcast. It used to be, you know, everybody was like perfect. And that was what was shown on social media. And it was harmful because you're like, you know, you're comparing to that. Now I feel like the pendulum has swung where it's like, okay, let me show them my dirty kitchen, but let me just have like a random cup here and like a sippy cup on this counter. And then I have two dishes. Oh my gosh, look at this hot mess. And you're like, wow, (laughs) if that's their messy, like now I'm super screwed. So I feel like it's switched. So we're just showing enough that like people don't, but like right behind the camera is probably a freaking tornado of toys and you know, whatever else. So um, so then I guess like how, um, how do you even get to that point? What are some of the steps or whatever that you and Ryan have gone through just to make sure that your marriage is see-through? Yeah. And I, I think I overlooked the whole title of see-through too. <laughs> um, the, the cover of the book has stained glass, uh, windows kind of like shards of glass and the, the whole design, I mean, the whole idea of being see-through was just this. Um, Ryan, I had had this experience, um, a long time ago when we got engaged, we went to St. Patrick's cathedral and there was, there's a bunch of stained glass in New York and it was just beautiful. Right. But the thing that makes it beautiful is the light shining through it. Like when it's darker, you can't really see it as much. Right. But the, mm-hmm. the glass is what makes it, the light shining through the glass is what makes it beautiful. There's different colors of glass. There's different, um, you know, pigments and what is it? I want to say flaws or there's, there's just different parts of the glass that make it unique. But when we're all brought together, like the, and God, you know, obviously being the light shining through us, that's what makes us, you know, beautiful. That's where the, we are able to glorify him even more um, when he is shown through kind of our brokenness. Right. And so the biggest thing for us is, um, just to not overlook things that maybe our heart is or that the Lord is leading us to have conversations about, to not sweep it under the rug, to not shove it off, to not just stew, I guess, and to not let things go. Because, I mean, you've been married for 10 years. You guys have been together for longer than that. Um, You Mm -hmm. can get better at fighting. You can get quicker at fighting, right? Um, But I think even when we're fighting and we're being transparent, we still can hide things. We still can attack our spouse with our motivation. And that can be, we, we can frame it in a way, right. That can be manipulative. We can frame it in a way that is a prideful, or we can frame it in a way that is, is basically sinful. And we are not admitting that we're not living that transparently and saying, you know what, I'm, we're not owning, you know, the sin that we are engaging in at that moment. And so, you know, for us, we, we really try to keep that open communication 
all the time. We try to, you know, there's a lot of ways with the internet, of course, you know, that we, we try to keep each, not keep each other accountable, but really have that, that freedom between us to talk about, Hey, and check in about, uh, images or struggles or things that, um, comparison, like you said, that's, that's a big one. I mean, that's a big one. That's so easy to fall into. And I think especially for us. And so identifying your struggles too, as a couple is huge because until you know yourself, until you know, some of the struggles you deal with, you won't have the sort of tools and the, the parameters of understanding, you know, of what, what these battles are and, and knowing yourself. And you have to be careful with that phrase because knowing yourself has been taken too far, I think, in our culture is we yes, are. I'm glad are, you're talking about this because yeah. this is, I love this part of the book. It's like, well, on my computer, it's highlighted a million times. So I'm <laughs> glad that we're talking about this. <laughs> yes. No, knowing yourself to just know yourself is not glorifying to God. And that is not his purpose for us knowing ourselves and understanding ourselves. The purpose of us knowing ourselves is that is so we can glorify God even more. Um, knowing our weaknesses, our tendencies, understanding our strengths, um, we can we can better steward our hearts and our lives for God's glory and for his for our good right if if i know that i have a tendency to react and respond a certain way about a certain conversation um whether it be finances or sex or i mean you name it we i'm i'm not i'm going to know this about myself so that i can say okay i know here's the tools that i need to respond in this situation cuz i know i'm going to get heated i know i'm going to want to say hurtful things and then i'm going to want to walk away and then maybe i'll come back and apologize later but i'm going to be really upset for a while so in order to to know i need to know those and recognize those things about myself in order to submit it then to god's authority and say okay lord i'm feeling these things you know, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Help me, Holy Spirit, to walk in self-control. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be patient with my spouse, my husband. Help me to understand that maybe he is hurting and it's not just about my hurt and me all the time, right? So it's really, okay, Lord, I see these struggles in myself. You've created me this way. I'm going to trust your word in this. and I'm going to let your word and authority bear weight on the things that I'm feeling and let that be my guide. Let that be my light and lead me um, in these hard conversations you guys were talking about how proper knowledge leads to proper becoming, which then leads to proper doing. So like if you don't know yourself and something else you guys said, which like literally this book is full of just like good little nuggets, I feel like, but that we're called to deny ourselves. We're not called to be ignorant of ourselves. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Being and how do we how do we know ourselves? You know, one big way of knowing knowing ourselves is through reading God's word and being in it daily, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it feels like a, a chore. Well, that's why it's called devotions, right? We're <laughs> devoted no matter right. how it feels and we're allowing it to, to wash over us. We're getting his word into our hearts for those moments, for those times of conflict, for those, those times of, you know, denying ourselves and dying to ourselves. That's going to be hard. It's not going to feel good and we're not going to like it. But we know God's word. We know his promises. We're trusting his character. And we are going to walk in that because he has asked us to. I think it was you that was saying that your tendency is, which is also my tendency and probably most people's tendency, is just to like when we're struggling with something, figure it out on our own and then like yes. come back and tell everyone like, hey, this is, <laughs> I had an issue. I went out and like, I don't know, listened to some songs and just did, did my thing came right. back and now we're good, you know? And so we would rather like work on it alone without yes. an audience and then come back and present like our best foot forward. Absolutely. So I, <laughs> I no, feel you, like that's I mean, something that I struggle with. So Yes. And it's very, I mean, I, yeah, I wrote, obviously, you know, that that's probably, that was in the book. And I wrote that saying that this is me, this is my preference. I would much rather say, Hey, I dealt with this and yes, the Lord helped me, but look, like, look what happened, you know, instead of in the middle of it, it's so hard for me to walk in the light, right? And to, First uh, John 1 says, you know, this is the message that we've heard from you. God is in the light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. So we are not supposed to walk through darkness alone. We're not supposed to deal with it on our own because there's no, there's just no opportunity for, I can't say no opportunity because obviously the Holy Spirit works on our hearts, right? He works on our minds. Mm -hmm. He's there with us. He's counseling us, loving us. 
but I feel like we can only go so far in and of ourselves, right? And we need to be known in those times. We need to be, I need to bring Ryan in and say, babe, I'm struggling with comparing to these images. I am struggling with feeling valued, feeling like I matter or feeling like we're accomplishing anything, but why? And then he can come back and lovingly say, why do you feel like you need those things? You know, and he can then walk me back to Jesus and remind me that I can walk in the light and that Ryan loves me, you know, no matter what, and that we're going to come together on these things and I can fellowship. I can be with another person here for the purpose and the greater glory of God and for my own sanctification, right? Yeah. And I think that we, the the problem with doing things on your own, I mean, we probably have good intentions. You guys talked a lot about the book of just like reasons that maybe we wouldn't want to come forward and say something because, you know, they won't forgive me. What do they think? How, what will their reaction be? All these things. But the problem is, is that when we're walking by ourselves trying to figure it out, I mean, it's, it's us and the Holy Spirit. Yes. But it's also like Satan in there. And so then there's just this big spiritual warfare and we just tend to like justify why what we're doing isn't as bad or, you know, you guys give a lot of those examples too. And, um, and you guys talk about a lot of just like bringing friendships who love your marriage and, you know, that love you and love Ryan into your marriage. And so what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about that a lot in our podcast, I think having marriage advocates versus, um, adversaries and, you know, an advocate, it can be a single person or a couple, ideally, like in-laws would be advocating for your marriage. And I think that's probably one of the hardest relationships that people deal with in terms of ad- adversaries, because each parent wants to look out for their own kid, right? And so we're called to advocate for each other's marriages. And, you know, recently I've just had friends come to me and we've been talking and dealing with kind of some of their, not dealing with, but they've just been sharing some of their problems that they're dealing with in marriage. And it feels so easy to want to just take her side, right? It's so easy to just want to say, oh gosh, yeah, he's just the worst (laughs) in so many words, right? (laughs) Um, But the Lord has not called us to that. He has called us to, to love one another, to speak the truth to one another. And my truth is not the truth. God's truth is the truth. And God has brought us together. And so, and it's, I think it's in Mark, he says, what the Lord has brought together, let not man separate. Um, So I'm submitting myself to that authority. So the dialogue that's going on in my head, if I'm helping a friend or if I'm going to someone with a problem, the dialogue should be around reconciliation, should be around unity, should be around how can we love each other better? How can we extend grace to each other? What does that look like? What does that look like tangibly to love your spouse in this hard time that you're dealing with? And um, you know, that uh, an advocate could be a counselor also, it could be a pastor, it could be just a mentor couple that, um, have gone before us, you know, on a lot of these issues. Um, and it could be just a friend that uh, you just have to, I, I think, identify that with friends. Cause there's plenty of people that would just take your side and just start, uh, breaking down your marriage covenant, uh, just chipping away little by little. And not that they might be intentionally doing that, but I don't, they may not understand, the weight and they may not value the weight of covenant, um, the way you do. Yeah. And I, I think, um, just with like friendship and stuff, I don't know. It it seems, I mean, it just seems like in the book or whatever that Ryan has like a good group of guys or you guys have a good small group. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes it's easier. Um, I know it's, it's, this is true for, for us or has been kind of, you know, ebbs and flows, but I feel like women have a bigger community to go to, um, where, you know, I have friends where I'm like, that, that love me, love Justin, love our marriage, like have, you know, strong marriages themselves. And so I feel like I have women all around me that like I could pick and choose, right. <laughs> if we're having an issue or whatever. And I, and it's something right. that I want to talk about where right. I feel like men in general don't typically have, um, those relationships. At, at least it's not as common. Is that something that you guys feel like you've seen? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, guys, guys and girls are wired a bit differently, and not to say, not to generalize, right? Like there are girls that are, that process and are maybe more introverted in how they process and whatnot. But I think it is easy, can be easier for women to reach out. Um, whereas guys may battle the cultural front of like, I'm a guy, I can do it on my own and I don't need anybody kind of. And it's like, it, it looks, it's to be transparent with another guy feels 
shameful, right? Culture would rather yeah. have us just be strong on our own. Watch show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that's, there's some true statements in there, um, to what we battle. Um, and women, I, I think that it's, I think it's easy for us to be transparent. And I think where we may fall down into like kind of a pit is kind of staying there. Um, and having, instead of allowing each other to kind of pull each other up. Cause I think we, at least I can get really easily offended. And I know this about myself. If somebody's like, let me like help you out of this, <laughs> you know, and you're like, right. you, what do you know about me? Like, right. <laughs> but if it's, again, if it's a trusted friend and a relationship, I'm pr- and an advocate for me, for me and Ryan, I'm probably going to listen. I'm probably going to humble myself. I'm going to bite my tongue and I'm going to just give the pride to the Lord and say, okay, you're seeing something that I'm not seeing. I want to trust you in this. And I'm going to, you know, bring this to the table with Ryan and let's see, you know, where it goes. But yeah, I I think guys, it looks differently for guys. Yeah. And and, um, I think you guys said too, that you guys, which I think is really powerful, but just because it creates a it creates an environment for guys to just have that friendship because like I said, I just don't, I don't like I'm on the phone all the time. <laughs> we have so many little kids, you know? So like, yeah, we don't like go out a ton separately. We do, but it's just not a ton right now in this season. Yeah. And but I'm on the phone all the time. My mom, my sister, my friends, you know, and he, yeah. he rarely is. But I think that through your small group, you were saying that you guys have like a rotation where it's a group as a whole, and then it's women meet and then men meet and then group like right every week for the month. So how does that work? And do you feel like that, do you think that helps just kind of spur on those relationships to get deeper? It gives us space and an environment to have those kind of conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, so it's just like you said, we will meet. So this coming Wednesday, it is, I believe the ladies turn to meet. So we are going to meet and chat and check in with each other and, you know, ask how we can be praying for one another, kind of, you know, go through the highs and lows of life and where we're at. Um, And then the next week we'll meet as a big group and we'll do check-ins kind of with couples. And um, so the time with each sex, like, so the ladies, when we meet, we may talk about things a little more in depth that we're dealing with that may not be appropriate for when guys are around. Um, And the same goes for guys, you know, um, you don't want to be highlighting and embarrassing and humiliating someone, right? That's not the purpose of being transparent in a small group. I think that you can share without, um, hurting, right. Or you can share without, again, throwing someone under the bus. Um, but I think our group, we've been really intentional about, okay, you know, we're doing check-ins and everybody's pretty appropriate. And if somebody's not, if somebody's going a little too deep, we can kind of rein it back and say, Hey, why don't we save this conversation for either one-on-one or, you know, maybe the guy's night. And we've kind of just established that rhythm and that culture. And so people who come in sort of, understand and start learning about those liberties and limitations, I guess, um, in our group. And it's been very helpful. I feel like it's been, it's been life-giving. It's also, you know, it also can be challenging to hear the same problems over and over again. But again, it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not God, I can't fix them. And what I can do is just love them. I can pray for them. I can extend grace. If they're asking me for advice, I can point them to Jesus and I can encourage them in the things of God. And I can, if I have tools that I know have worked in the past here, try this, like, here's one of my tools, but I am not their savior. I am not the one who can change their life. Uh, that is God and that is all his business because it's usually a heart change. It's at a heart level. And that's where, again, we are, we are, we've taken the word gospel and made it into a verb. We gospel each other, right? We, we point each other back to Jesus and the truth of, you know, excuse me, he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. There's some deep things that you're digging through, uh, with your marriage, with your kids. Um, we are here to just be that, the fellowship, right. To be that community, that the body of Christ supporting one another tangibly, spiritually, whatever that looks like. Yeah. I was just listening to Jen Hatmaker. So she was just talking about the elephants and randomly. And uh, I mean, it was part of a story, but basically it was when a mom elephant was going to give birth, um, just like out in the wilderness, whatever, Mm -hmm. that like a bunch of other adult female elephants will like circle around her to where it's like they are just like their heads are facing out like mm-hmm. their their butts are inward right. whatever but the, but the elephant the mom elephant who's delivering birth and is super vulnerable is in the middle right and when she's like actively giving birth 
all of these like female elephants who have backed up into her to create like this safety net. Yeah. They start stomping and blowing their horn, you know, just like make it like kicking rocks, like the whole thing to basically say to like any predators on the outside, like if you're going to like try to get to her, you're going to have to get through 50 tons of, you know, a freaking elephant to get to her. Like you're not going to, to get our sister who is in here vulnerable giving birth. And then mm. once the baby's born, they all like blow their like Trump, not blow their trumpets, but you right. know what I mean? Just celebrate. And, and they just yeah. celebrate and it's this whole thing. And and she just talked and I felt like that was really powerful because it's just like, I, I can't give that baby for you, figuratively speaking, but we can surround you and make sure like <laughs> sure. nobody's coming in here like weird. And we all take turns in the middle, right? Like we all take turns the ones who are vulnerable and like really sensitive and whatever. And then there's a time for us to be in the middle and there's a time for us just to be on the outside, like making sure that we're just standing with like our sisters. So it's very, I feel like, yeah. Yeah. We're all in the hot seat. If you're turning, if you're not in the middle, it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's not if it's when, right? Hey guys, popping in here super quick just to let you know that the Legacy Through Motherhood community is starting a five-day reading challenge starting on May 1st where we are committing to dusting off those stacks of books we've been like meaning to read and finally just making the space to sit down and read them. We are committing to 20 minutes a day for five days and y'all, this ends on Cinco de Mayo so you know there's going to be a party (laughs) at the end of this and it would not be a complete party without some sort of giveaway so get excited about that. And the links to all the things you need to know about this challenge is in the show notes. And the goal, drum roll please, (laughs) is 500 women to be in this challenge. Can you imagine what kind of impact it would make if 500 women made the space to just invest in themselves? Jim Rohn says this, miss a meal if you have to, but never miss a book. And we've heard that we become like the five people we surround ourselves with. And you guys, like books kind of get to be one of those people. It's what we fill our mind with. So girl, do not miss out on this one. Each day of the challenge, I'm going to be sending you my top and my most favorite book on each of the five areas we talk about on the podcast. So head on over to the show notes and get signed up. At the time of this recording, you got about four days left to sign up. They will close at midnight Eastern time on April 30th. All right. I'll see you in there. You guys talked a lot about in the book too, just like conversations and, and Justin and I, like I said, we've been together for, we started dating when I was 16. So it's been like a little while. And, um, (laughs) and we used to fight, man, (laughs) like we, there's just a joke in our family. Like my sister-in-law and her husband, um, they're like, get married after two years or whatever it was. And we're like, I don't think we've ever had a fight. And Justin and I look at each other like, if we know how to do anything, it is, we know how to fight. Um, <laughs> but we have gotten so much better. But so you guys talked about a lot, just like, there are so many things that you need to pay attention to, like, especially as you're maturing in your marriage, like there's a proper time to fight. Like there's a way to fight. There's a um, you know, I mean, even down to like, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you bored? Is it late? <laughs> like that. And also right. like presenting, Hey, I need to talk about something like, let's make it, let's make space for that. So can you talk about kind of your guys's rhythm that you found to be really helpful for you? <laughs> Our experiences. Let's see <laughs> which one to choose from. <laughs> I oh, all man. Laundry out right here on this podcast. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, we, I mean, I remember, you know, the first couple of years we met when we were young, like that 16 and, um, started dating. We got married four years after that. And, you know, the first year or two was pretty like ignorance is bliss. And at least for us, it felt great. Right. We were finally like living together. We were finally just, our lives were finally one and they had been separate for so long. So it was really an exciting time for us, but the reality of life just sets in eventually. I don't know the time frame for everyone, but, um, right. <laughs> you know, you start dealing with each other and you're like, wait, I, this is, I love this person. We had a great wedding day. Why is, why is he making me so angry right now? <laughs> what is the problem here? Why is, mm-hmm. you know, and the blame is obviously on him, of course, <laughs> but no, I'm totally joking being facetious. Um, but we, there's many instances. I mean, I could, I can, pick from whatever. I don't really, the, the times that we, um, I think have fought and we've learned these things, right? You gotta, you've, it's been 10 years. I mean, we're coming up on 17 years of marriage. So you learn over time that 
sometimes you're fighting because you are tired. Sometimes you're fighting because you are hungry. Like it's just like a little kid. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Do you need to go change? <laughs> like, let's just go through the actual physical needs before we get to like the other, the next level of, okay, what's really going on in your heart? Is there something, do we need to talk about this? Because for us, I think a lot of our early frustrations were just we didn't understand those needs. We didn't understand that we shouldn't fight at 1130 at night. We shouldn't bring up big, hard, complicated conversations uh, at night because nobody can think clearly. You have to get up the next day. Everybody's just frustrated anyways. You're, then you got to try to sleep. Like that's that's the worst. Right. So, and then when he falls asleep and you can't, then it's oh, yeah. the You're next morning, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of lots of heat. You're right. You're just everybody's just stewing for a a day or two. Um, so I think the biggest thing, like you said, that we've learned in our marriage of, um, you know, the many, many fights that we've had are just to like, if this is a really big thing, I think the Lord is gracious to let us consistently face it. And then when I like, if there's something in my heart and I start seeing, wow, I'm really dealing with some of this, I'm really getting frustrated around these areas, or I'm really feeling, you know, down about myself in some of these areas, or, you know, there's just, whatever the theme is, it'll be consistent. And then I feel like I can bring that to Ryan and say, can we talk about this? Because I, and we can set some time aside. This is kind of what's going on. And it's been, it's taken time to even get to that conversation, right? We can't, before we might just say, Hey, I need to talk to you about this. And then all the defenses go up. Everybody's mad already. We haven't even had the conversation. So it's really just, sometimes I think it just takes time to be able to be disarmed and have those conversations of like, I need to have a conversation. <laughs> um, let's set some time and space away. <laughs> let's just set some, make some space for this and let's talk about this. Um, not before bed, maybe let's just go for a walk. Let's, let's go do something and talk because my heart is in a raw place or I feel like I'm seeing this in our marriage. If you do, if you really want to fight, you can say you statements. You make me feel like this. But how we really, mm-hmm. if we really want to be constructive with these conversations, we got to direct them like at ourselves. And that's something I've learned because I fall on my face a lot of times saying the you statements. But if I say I've been feeling like this when these things happen in our marriage, or when I, when we've walked through this storm, or we've you've these words have come out of your mouth, right? (laughs) Or some things, this is how it kind of make me feels and makes me feel. And I want to bring that to you because I want to, you know, the goal is always reconciliation in any of these instances. And so if I'm not, if I'm not taking that step towards reconciliation, then I'm either, I'm taking a step to fight. So, um, and that's, again, if the fighting is, is the goal is reconciliation, then I think that you can be careful and obviously let the Holy Spirit lead you and how you're talking to each other and what you're talking about. Um, but if you're just going in with Dukes up and that's it, um, I would question that, that conversation and motivation behind it. Well, and how productive are those conversations? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> never, never goes like, well. <laughs> right. And then they're the ones where you're like, your kids are like waking up out of bed, like, what are you, what are you guys talking about? We're like, oh, okay, uh-huh. let's just, let's just, um, let's put this on hold. We didn't realize it, you know, whatever. Um, and I think, you know, just like I said, we used to fight all the time and it was like, just, we were both firstborn children, you know, both really competitive. Ooh. We're both just like, yeah, just very like, <laughs> yeah. so it's, so I think that, um, you know, it used to be, we were just, I mean, it was like, you know, we were ready to go all the time. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you start to have kids, then you're like, okay, <laughs> we need to start like really kind of like, because they're watching. I mean, you know, whatever. And we're really just starting to get to the age where they're, you know, kind of even able to pay attention to how we're right. speaking to one another and and whatever else. But I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, and I think both of us really, is I've heard this, I don't know who coined it, but it says, um, hold your tongue until the Holy Spirit has your heart. Hmm. And I where I will literally say that over and over and over and over in my head when all I want to do is like respond quick and respond like, you know, sarcastically or whatever. And so I think that um, you guys had said in the book, like the best way to be generous with hard conversations is simply to listen. And why is that so hard? (laughs) Like it's it's the most simple advice, but like, why is that so hard? And, um, And I think that you guys do a really good job just talking about like really practical things that you can do when you are in a fight. Like you said, like, A, let's schedule a time and a space for this and check all your physical stuff. And then you kind of talk about um, just like your conversational 
culture. So how do you feel like that has developed just over the years? I mean, going into marriage, we always, we, I think there was probably two things that we always said we would like never do. Like we would never use the word um, divorce and we would never um, use sex as like a bargaining tool. Um, Those were just kind of things that were put on our radar pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, and also name calling, I would say that was probably the third. And that if, you know, the culture that we grew up in, you know, was very Christian. We were involved in church and, you know, went to a Christian school. And so that we had a lot of friends and mentors and people, right, kind of guiding us in these things. But um, you have to understand that we all have differences, right? And we all have different ways that we connect with each other emotionally. And that's, that's, it's, it's like a love languages thing, right? You have to know how you receive and how your spouse receives love and appreciation. Like I typically, we just want to project, like I feel love this way. So of course my spouse is going to feel love this way. Right. And that's not always the case. And so we, to create this, this culture of like communication, we need to understand how each other feels loved, why listening is important. I'm not good at listening because I'm thinking of like the next thing I want to say, but that's not active listening. And that's not loving my husband or being generous with just sitting there and allowing him to share because I get, you get threatened, right? We start getting insecure and thinking that all of these things, at least I do. I think that like, it's all about me and I'm the one that's causing this. And so it, it becomes again about me when really it's probably not. Um, you know, my tone is a big thing. That's always been a big thing with, with Ryan and I, he's really sensitive to tone. And so I have to make sure that my tone is loving and not condescending and not manipulative and not, you mm-hmm. know, so, sometimes I'm very clear with my tone. <laughs> so, um, you know, just creating that home and that culture of just generous communication, knowing that, you know, our security is in Christ. We're learning how to love each other. We're learning how to mutually respect one another because we're made in the image of God, right? Not because I'm I'm a good person and do good things, but no, we're sinners. We're broken. We need Jesus and we have accepted him and we are now living out of our identity in him. And so if we are image bearers, I'm not going to treat my husband. I'm not going to call him horrible names. I'm not going to undermine him or disrespect him. At least I'm going to try not to because God has done so much for me and in me that it's, it's going to just overflow out of me. And so, I mean, a good way to figure out, you know, if your culture of communication is not great, you know, listen to the words that are coming out of your guys's mouths, listen to how you're saying what you're saying. And I guarantee you'll probably find some truth in there that is hurtful, but God, right. God is so good to show us that. And also lead us out of that through being transparent with each other, like through being known by God, through being in his word and knowing what he desires for how he desires us to love each other and to what that looks like, you know, in our marriage and with our community. Yeah. And I thought it was really powerful when you guys talked in the book about the, um, between you two or not you two, just two people who are married, the heart of like giving or the heart of taking. So you, I think you guys gave a, an example just about, you know, if, if a guy wants, like if Ryan wanted to go out for a guy's night, right. And he's like, I think you use somebody else. I'm just using you in this situation. No, but if great. he's saying, Hey, <laughs> like, Hey, I think I'm gonna go out with the guys on Saturday. And you're like, cool. Then I'm going out with the girls on Sunday. Like, that's not a, like, right. that is a taking, like you're doing that. Now I can get this. It's instead, you know, just seeing, you know, what my husband like, probably really need some time out of the house. And it's not this like, well, I'm with the kids all day and I need this. And I need even just preemptively coming to him and saying like, Hey, why don't you like schedule a, you know, a time out with the guys or go to dinner, or go watch the game or, or whatever. And so it's mm-hmm. with nothing in return. There is no, because I want to go do, do this next weekend. Right. Um, and so it's just this, it's, it's really just all about like out serving one another, out giving to one another and mm-hmm. just out loving each other. And I feel like that's the whole like basis of your guys's book is just being transparent and kind of one up in each other and the good things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's really important for us to understand that we're in a covenant and not a contractual relationship. Right. And so, 
Um, it's easy to fall into the tit for tat kind of like, if I do this, then if you do this, I get to do that. Right. But Mm -hmm. I feel like we rob ourselves of the opportunity of, of experiencing generosity towards our spouse of allowing them to experience a deeper joy while they're engaging in something that they want to do. I mean, that, what a gracious thing we can do to give of our time and energy to our spouse, uh, because it's the closest relationship that human relationship that we have on this earth. And so, you know, in our, in our other book, Fierce Marriage, Ryan talks about how there's, our spouses have like a direct line to our hearts. And so Mm -hmm. any, our actions or our words, they hold a lot more weight with our spouse than I think just a friendship, right, would. And so being able to give time, give energy, give those words of affirmation, it runs, it, it hits the chords of our hearts, like stronger and deeper and louder. And so to just say, Hey, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do this. It really just robs everybody of that, that deeper joy that we can experience, um, serving and loving one another and being generous. And I mean, the whole, you know, Christ's love for, if, if our marriage is supposed to be a reflection of Christ in the church and the whole, the whole thing, then really mm-hmm. like God's love is sacrificial, right? So yes. it's not self-seeking. It's not, I mean, you could spin around and, and just go back into what biblical marriage looks like and all of these Absolutely. things and how we're trying to be that. And ultimately like it's ourselves that we have control over. And you guys talked about in the book, you guys have um, what you called a be and believe day. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think Ryan got it from uh, Matt Chandler over at the Village Church in Dallas. Oh, I love Matt Chandler. We're big, <laughs> yeah, we're big uh, Village Church fans. <laughs> so be and believe day is basically you just take a journal and your Bible and you try to like leave your phone off grid, right? You're just kind of, it's just you and God going, you're just spending time with the Lord. You're not on your phone, um, spending time in prayer, spending time in his presence, just praising him, repenting, worshiping, just being in the presence of God. So you're being with God and you're just believing who he is, who he says he is, is who he is. Um, and so it, it looks different for each of us, you know, in different seasons, right? When you have young kids that we have a seven month old that still needs to nurse and I can't be away from her too long. And we just, you know, you have to navigate some things as a mother. And so we try to make space for each of us once a month to go with no kids, nothing, just our Bible and our journal. And we go somewhere in Washington (laughs) or the Puget Sound within like an hour radius, I guess. (laughs) And we just are with God. We're just spending time with the Lord. And it's funny how every time we try to do that, there's always like these pressing issues that have to be done, right? Or they seem like they have to be done that day or before that day. And there's mm-hmm. all these reasons why we shouldn't go. There's all these things that are very legitimate and it's a discipline. So it takes time. It takes really just digging your heels in and saying, I'm going to go do this. Like I'm going to meet with the Lord. And every time like Ryan or I come back, it's, it's like you're, it's like Moses coming down from the the mountain, right? And <laughs> you're just glowing with like God's goodness and his presence and the richness of your life is brought back to the forefront of your mind and how God has given you children and, and health and um, a place to live. I mean, we are so, we are so wealthy in, in so many ways than just like financial, right? It's just when you look at the world and I I don't know, spending time with God just brings that depth and clarity. I think that we can lose when we're distracted on social media or we can lose just kind of in the busyness of, of, of life. And so those being believed days are really important. And so being able to be generous and give that time to your spouse once a month um, or once every other quarter, I think we do it once every other quarter, just a consistent time, um, is really important for your marriage and for the health, I think, of your spouse. We found it very life-giving, very life-giving. Yeah, we were talking before we hit record just about that, like, spiritual welfare when you know you're about to lean into something that's, like, good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes, good for you, good for your family, good for just, like, kingdom work, kingdom, kingdom progression, you know, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like the world is collapsing right before you walk into that space, so – so true. So true. So um, kind of in closing uh, this, so this podcast, you know, is all about just becoming just like 1% better each day. Like we focus on five areas here and obviously one of them is marriage. Um, and, you know, we're not trying to completely fix broken or distant marriages overnight. I mean, it, it just can't be done. But 
through your experience of marriage with Ryan or in general and just this process of writing this book and really fierce marriage also, what do you, and this is a loaded question, so you can no wrong (laughs) answer here, but what's just like one simple thing that you feel like has been the most powerful thing that has grown your marriage just to be closer and more see-through? I think the biggest thing has been understanding Christ's love for each of us individually you know, First John four nineteen talks about how we love because He first loved us, um, and Romans talks about how He died while we were still sinners. He Christ died for us um, because of His love, and so understanding Christ's love uh, may sound like a a big broad answer, but if it feels like that to you, I would challenge I would challenge you to dive into His Word and understand what that means and what that looks like, and do it over time and consistently because the more I, Ryan and I understand and experience and know the love of God and the depths of it, uh, the better we can love each other, I think, uh, in light of knowing Christ and knowing what he's done for us, the weight of our sin, right? He took, he bore that weight. He took the punishment that we should have. He knows the depths. We are so quick to brush our sin away, right? We are so, we don't know and understand the weight. We just think, oh, we just, you know, we messed up here and there, but you know, the wages of sin is death. Um, but God's the, the gift of God is eternal life. And what does that mean? What is, what does it mean when we know Jesus and experience his love? And I think it's experiencing his love that transforms everything else. You know, if we're, if we're tired as a mom, which you are allowed to be, um, Mm -hmm. it's a good tired. It's okay. We're physical beings. We're limited beings. But I think resting in the fact that God's got our kids, we're doing, the work that he's called us to do um, and it's eternal work and seeing the value in that and knowing that our identity is rooted in Christ um, and that his love is what brought us to that place. That's where we can rest. That's where we can be strengthened by God. Right. And that's how our marriages can be brought to full unity to be alive in this covenant um, for transactional you know, contractual things like you get to do this and I get to do that. Those things start falling by the wayside because Christ's love has washed over us. It's washed over those parts that feel like we need to get ours. Instead, we are overflowing with the just gratefulness to God that we then are able to be generous with each other, to love each other and to allow unity to really just grow and develop and take root even deeper in our marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I heard once that love is a limitless resource and energy is not. And that is something that I've held on to. I feel like in my motherhood, (laughs) just like, oh, I'm so tired and so annoyed right now, but that doesn't mean I don't love my children. But the mom guilt is like so real with all of that. Oh, yes. Um, Well, Selena, again, I am just so, so grateful for you just to take the time out of your day. I know that you are busy with three little ones and all the stuff you guys have going on and just sitting down to have this, I mean, much needed conversation with me. And I just think it was really powerful in so many ways. And I think it just reminds us that we are all just struggling really with the same thing on different levels, right? And all of it really just points us back to the need for a savior and that God is the one refining our hearts and our husband's hearts. And ultimately, like we're responsible for our own pursuit of Jesus and Mm. they are responsible for theirs and we we can't control them. Um, Mm. And so I just think your guys' book um, is so practical. Um, I think it's just very relatable. You guys open up, you know, you guys, there's literally, I don't think a single topic you guys don't touch on (laughs) in that. So, I mean, best of luck with you guys once that releases and it releases May 5th, correct? It does. Yes. We're excited. Like about time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it's a weird time we're in, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) I'm like, what, what do you get? Do you guys do book tours or anything like that? typically? Um, we know, I mean, both times we've released the book, we've had babies. So oh, it's yeah. just not That's really true. like made a whole lot of sense. So we might try to do like a virtual thing. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, I've been like urging my people to go read it. And, um, oh, I, I mean, I, I might have like 50 people already coming Cause I'm like, I mean, I've like sent mm. just little tiny snippets of stuff that I've read. Um, like I said, I mean, I cried multiple times. It's such a, mm. such a good book. So transformational. So, um, I think it's, Yes, right. For so many marriages and so many hearts, I just I think that it's it's just something that people need to hear. And I'm just glad you guys are stepping in that space to talk about it. So thank you so much for, for coming on, Selena. And I'm looking forward to your book release. Oh, thanks, Stephanie, for having me. I'm so grateful to have been here. 
so, so good. I got the privilege of reading this book before the interview and you guys, I can confidently say that we just scratched the surface. Like this book is actually designed to be read by you and your husband. And there are some questions at the end of each chapter for you guys to go through together. And I hope that this episode just encouraged you to number one, remember that the goal is to be fully known and fully loved. You know, we're not going to be perfect on either end of that, but it's just something we work on a little bit each day and we can be enough right where we're at in our marriages. Just like we both talked about the beginning years of marriage are hard because you're trying to figure out each other and you're just two humans, right? Just trying to become one. And there's just this natural tension and there's this natural intentional pursuit that has to happen just to build a solid foundation. And honestly, I mean, newlyweds, yes, but even like into each new season of your marriage, like a new season with babies, infants, new season with school-age children, empty nesters, right? Like we're just trying to navigate that. But we have to simultaneously be seeking ways to just love better and do better all the time. And then maybe one day, you guys, this is a for real goal of mine. (laughs) We can win that contest at weddings. You guys know what I'm talking about, where they call all the married couples out onto the dance floor and they slowly start to count up. Like how many years have you been married? One, five, 10, right? And then there's just that one little last couple left dancing. And that is is a goal of mine. (laughs) So to be fully known and fully loved, you guys, like that's the goal. Okay, I hope this episode met you right where you are at today. And I so look forward to helping you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. Join me next week as we circle back around to mindset. It's just me this time, no awesome guests, but I have a great topic I wanna chat with you guys about. Also, follow me on Instagram at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood to get daily encouragement about whatever topic we're on for that week. So today, at the time of this recording, we kicked off our marriage week and last week was health week. And lastly, don't forget to jump into those show notes and sign up for our reading challenge that kicks off this upcoming Friday, May 1st. If I could like personally buy you your favorite coffee or tea and drop it off to your front porch friend and look you in the eyes and invite you myself to this challenge, I would, but I can't because quarantine. (laughs) And I think sometimes like we just need a community of women to just stand next to while we make space for something that we have been meaning to do or wanting to do. So girl, I hope you join us.